Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Heads up, there are slight sound issues during this conversation between Zach and I. He's in the middle of nowhere in South Carolina, and I think his connection is not so strong. However, you'll pretty much understand the gist of it. It's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Zach, how the hell are you? I'm so good. Do you want to tell people this is the stuff of time that we've had to do Oh, shit, now it sounds like you're talking to a fan. This is fucking insane. Are you serious? What, you know what I think it, it is? I think it's what, your recorder. It ha- I don't know. I've recorded Steve Vai and, and CJ Ramon, and they were That's fine. so weird because I'm on the internet now. Like, I'm literally, I'm not, my, my phone is in airplane mode. I don't have yeah. cell service. I have the little airplane on. I wonder if I should turn, I don't even know if mine will work that way. I don't want to change it during the thing, but okay. One more, one more fucking time. Hi, Zach. How the hell are you? I'm so good. How are you? Yeah, I'm um, freezing up here in Jersey. I heard you're down in South Carolina. Correct. I am in South Carolina. And you were in L.A. a week ago. So are you on tour and we don't know about it? or? We're, you know, we're writing a record right now. So we're... Um... Just writing, and then we'll we'll start the record May first. But we've been writing for a couple months now. When when is this record coming out officially? I have no idea when it's coming out. <laughs> we start May first. It may not even come out this year. Honestly, it might. It, it may. It may not. We're we're still. You know, we take our time when we do records. So it it really, you know, I don't know. A part of me feels like why even release a record this year, but mm-hmm. we are going to do some touring later this year. So, you know. Pink Floyd sometimes would play a song from their new record that hadn't even been released yet, like Echoes was called Looking Through the Knotholes of Granny's Wooden Leg before it became Echoes. They would go on tour and say, this is called Looking Through the Knotholes of Granny's Wooden Leg, and they would play Echoes. And then when the record came out, they changed the name to Echoes. Are you going to do some songs perhaps live on tour before the record, even from your new record? Quite possibly. We've really never done that before. We, actually, we did in 2007 before Sound of Madness came out, which was kind of the record that got us into being like an arena an arena band. Um, we played like four songs live. That was the first time we did it. I think it was kind of the last time. Like, we'll play like this single, obviously. It'll probably be a single by the time we play shows. We'll play that. But I don't know if there'll be like a, I don't know if we'll play like a bunch of songs from the record before it comes out. Oh, 
but the fans are gagging for it. <laughs> I know. Well, I think the fans are just, they're ready for anything right now, you know, which is kind of nice. You know, it's like the, to see, like, when we, we put a show on sale the other day in Louisville, in this huge outdoor thing, and it sold out in 24 hours, you know. So I think people are just, they just want to go out and be with their friends and hang and, and be, you know, and have this part of their life that they missed for so long. You did a, a live show in Louisville? No, no, we just put one on sale for um, September. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, I get it now. The the show sold out in 24 hours because they're so excited. Do you think the the fans are all going to have to wear masks? No, it's outdoors. I don't think it, and I think it's full capacity. So I think that, yeah. And I know that uh, my buddy Machine Gun Kelly played a show tonight in Jacksonville in a 5,000-seat amphitheater, no masks, full capacity. Oh, my God, this is such good news. Yeah, I can't stand wearing a mask, and I, I wouldn't want to go to a concert if I had to wear a mask the whole time because I'd be screaming, cheering on the band, and probably suffocating in my mask. Yeah, Brent and I, Brent and I did uh, twenty shows last year for our our side project at the Myers, and we they were mostly at drive-ins, so they're all outside, so you're going to wear masks. So it was, it was it was pretty nice. Oh, I can't wait to see how it's going to work out. I'm just. I think it's just because there's going to be so much touring. Like when it when it starts back up, like I think I was telling this the other day to a friend of mine at Live Nation. I was like, I go, they're going to like, I mean, they're going to have to build new venues. Like I mean, yeah. there's going to be so many bands who are trying to go out at the exact same time. Like getting getting bids on arenas because you're going to have all these bands fighting. You know us. You know, you know, Pearl Jam, Aerosmith, all the arena bands, all the huge country artists, like everyone's going to be vying for those spots and arenas. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. You know, I think that there's going to be arenas where it's like every there's a show every night. Wow, and, and the, hopefully the fans have money for that. You know. Yeah, I hope so too. I, you know, I, I, I feel like, like I said, I feel like the excitement is so large right now that. You know, anything's going to sell out no matter what. Def Leppard, I know, wanted to do a tour. Yeah, um, they're writing right now, too, as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. But. Oh, no, I already spoke to Phil. <laughs> okay, I, did my, yeah. I did my Phil Collins, um, uh, Phil, Phil Collins podcast. He was one of my first that I had on because I've only oh, been cool. doing this. Yeah, I've known him since I'm 15. <laughs> yeah, they're writing right now, so. Oh, it's going to be so exciting when the dam breaks open and all the music comes flowing. It's going to uh, be great. And we're not going back. Like, they cannot no. say, okay, now we're let loose. They cannot go backwards. We're not going to allow it. No, not- I think that I think that there, there, there comes a point where the, the, the people are going to say, listen, the cage is open. We're out. This, we're yeah. not going and it's going to be that's what's going to be it's, I think it's going to be a, 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 enough people just saying alright listen you did what you asked us to do for so long at this point fuck this figure it out and I think I, I truly think that's what's going to happen wouldn't it be great if it was the music fans that put an end to this shit <laughs> you know I think it would be that, you know, that and sports fans and obviously you know all these sports teams they want to have fans back that's how they make their money that's true you know, so I think all the big business entities, you know, of sports conglomerates and arena owners and stadium owners, you know, they want to have fans back because that's you know that's what you know that's what drives them. Kind of keeps sports fans have an advantage over someone like you because even if they're not 
playing game, they're still making money off the sneakers, you know. Yeah. And and it's it's not like Shine Down merchandise is gonna be the same as a packed arena. Yeah, yeah. Online merch sales for bands is usually generally only about twenty percent of what it is on tour, you know. And that's if you're lucky, truly. Okay, I have a question that that because your band for years has been reaching out to my company for massage, all right? And I just remember, it must have been 10 years ago, maybe more, there was a funny thing going on. I think you guys were on tour, co-headlining or whatever, with Stained? Yeah, yeah, we did a co-headline with Stained. That was like 2009. Okay, okay. So listen, this is how, I mean, I've been doing backstage massage since 83 with my company. So we all caught wind of it, and the dot bots would email me and say, uh, side note, Shine Down and Stain fucking hate each other. So, like, they had to have, they were on separate sides of the venue. <laughs> no, that was, never, that was never true, though. We love those guys. We get along with those guys great. Um, there's been a couple bands like that. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but yeah, there was a band that we did a co headline with in an arena um, where we closed every night. So, it certainly didn't feel like a co headline. Um, oh. It was it was not staying though. We get along with staying great. It was a it, their name starts with a B, but um, yeah, it was a it was it was a miserable tour. And honestly, the whole band was great. It was just one person that made it a miserable tour. And but yeah, we a, ba- we a band that starts with a B. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm gonna have to rack my brain. Uh, we were on uh, that. That was that was the real case. Like we were like on the opposite sides of the arena. Like we like, and it was again. It wasn't the band. It was one person. So it oh. wasn't like we got along with everybody else. Their crew. Everybody. It was just you know. It was a. It was a. You know. It was. It was a point where it was in 2015, and it was a tour where all you wanted to do was go home because it was just a person made it miserable. And Toxic. It's a sold out arena tour, and it's like you're just like, oh, this sucks. Like I would, I would literally rather be anywhere else right now. So, but yeah, no, not it wasn't like that was staying because staying still to this day get along great. But actually, Aaron, yeah, because Aaron, Aaron Lewis is cool as fuck. He's cool. Oh, I, I love Aaron, and Aaron, but you know, like I was into massages, like you know, like I would get him when I'd have pain. But Aaron's kind of the guy who like got me into like getting them every day. Oh yeah. Because Aaron would go for like three hours. I know, I know. We love Aaron, but at, the, at one point, his wife at the time was like, "Okay, that's it. No more massages. You're spending too much money on massages." So we didn't hear from him for a while. Now he's single again, and I'm just like, "Okay, so when's he gonna book?" You know? <laughs> yeah, he. Um, yeah, I remember because like, I mean, he had to be dropping. I mean, at least five hundred bucks a day. A day, yeah. And it was literally he would go in before the show. You know, if we, if we were closing, you know, by the well, he'd go in at like after their show, if we were closing the show, and then he would oh. be in there till we, you know, we'd play an hour and forty five minutes, and I'd come off stage and he was still in there. Uh, yeah, I know. I I had to supply him with massage therapists all over the country or wherever they were in the world, even Germany and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is amazing that he loves massage. I've never seen a guy go longer and like in a massage. Like I can like I, I enjoy like ninety minutes, two hours, like that's kinda like my <laughs> you know, at that point, like after that I just kinda become jello and like become useless to the world. Uh, like he would be like I would like be like, dude, what are you like 
He's like, oh, I just got a lot of stuff on my back. I'm like, dude, if someone worked on my back for three hours, I wouldn't be able to walk. Like, his, his wife was probably like, you're making us bankrupt with your massage habit. Cut the shit, you know? Oh, yeah. I feel that, man. Because, like, I, you know, I get one every day on tour. So, like, I can't imagine, like, a three three hours a day, five yeah. days a week, like, that. that's a lot. It was. But then again, he wasn't, you know, okay, some, some rock stars spend money on clothes. Some spend money on expensive girlfriends, some on drugs and this and that. He was spending his money on massage, and apparently um, it, it made him fit to, to sing, so that's good, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's me, you know. Like, I don't, I don't have any habits. I've never done drugs. I don't drink. Like, you know, to me, oh, it's just... Now you're... Now you're we're wobbly for a second. Oh, no, you're sober, so, right? Uh, yeah, I've sober, been sober for a long time. That's why your skin looks so good. Yeah. Well, also, too, like, because, like I said, like, as I got older, like, I, I spend money on wellness now. You know what I mean? I spend money to take care of my body. You know, I go to I go to float centers. I get massages. You know, I... Wait a I, minute. Wait a minute. Float centers? Have you never floated before? No, I don't have time for that shit. What is... Oh, floating is amazing. So, so floating is... Um, sometimes they're in like pods, like where the, the the lid like closes on you, which can be a little claustrophobic. But it all it is is about it's about a foot foot and a half of um, water, like warm water, that just has like hundreds of pounds of Epsom salt in it. So mm. the water's so dense that you just float. Oh, so you, it's like saves you a trip to going to the the Dead Sea. One hundred percent. And it's, so it's an, so I do a thing called uh, pure float like you can do it with music you can play your own music they'll play you music usually they have like colored lights so you can have like green or purple or pink or whatever i do what's called a pure float which is pitch black can't it's basically sensory deprivation you can't see anything you can't hear anything you're not touching anything so it's really tricky because nothing touching you yeah you're you're not you're not touching anything and it kind of gets you out of your own head at least for like an hour so i really enjoy it um it's How not, do you find it everywhere? You can look them up. It's, it's, a, it's gaining a lot of popularity. So I'll find them. Like the first time I ever did it was a place in Denver called the Float Center. It was really cool. And I, every time I'm in Denver, I go back to this place. Like it was really – and they theirs aren't pods. It's almost like you're, you're getting into a shower. It's like a glass door. They have a shower in there. But you open the door, you get in the – you kind of lay in the water. And they have like a little like flat pillow for your head if you want it or something to put under your knees. And it's great. Like I, I really enjoy it. It's very. It's not as relaxing as a massage, but it, it. I do believe with all that salt, there are there has to be some sort of healing property for your body. That magnesium is really good for your body. Yeah, for sure. And, way, um, it's called floating. It, it's it's amazing. And getting away from your phone and you know emails and all that other stuff has got to be good. No, it's amazing. It's, it's truly amazing. I recommend it to everyone at least try it one time. Oh, I'm going to try that. I'm going to, I'm going to see if they have it. I and mean, during the pandemic, it's so hard to find uh, health care and body care and body workers and stuff. I mean, a lot of the dot bots got so used to unemployment that, you know, when someone like you or George Clinton or Def Leppard or whoever reaches out for massage during the pandemic, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, even if I have a dot bot that's available, there's a 50% chance they're going to say, um, I really don't feel comfortable working during the pandemic. In other words, it, it's like I'm used to getting free money now and not working, so fuck you, I don't want to go give a massage. I'm serious, because carrying a heavy massage 
to massage. I'm like, it's Zach, so I'm shying down. Yeah, I love them and everything, but I'm getting unemployment right now. And it's just, I, it's so hard during the pandemic to, to get everything working, to, you know. They're getting used to the free money. I hate to say that. Bad. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, like, that's kind of what we kind of figure out. Once people yeah. like, get back out in the world again, I think that's going to stop pretty quick. <laughs> you know what? Take away the free money and people want to work again. I just, yeah. work is a good thing. What do they say? A dev, um, an idle mind is a devil's workshop? I mean, you know. It's, <laughs> idle hands are the devil. Idle hands are the devil's tools, too. Is one yeah, so work is a good thing. So another question I have, what got you into music? I was raised by hippie parents, so I had no choice. What got you into music? So my, my mom and dad loved music. I don't have any other musicians in my family, though. Like, no one played music. No one was playing guitar. No one was singing around the house. But they loved music. So, like, my dad started taking me to shows when I was, like, five years old. Like, big shows, you know. So I remember my first show I ever saw was um, ZZ Top, Dan Yankees, and Leonard Skinner, oh, um, which was an amazing show. Nice. And made up made up for my second show, which was The Bangles. So, well, they're hot. No, uh, yeah. If, for for a seven year old boy, the Bengals were uh, my dream. You know. <laughs> so, um. Yeah. It was. Um. You know. It was. Um. It was cool. So I was always around music. You know. And then so I was going to shows. And then the the first time, like I I remember hearing a guitar and being able to solo out an actual guitar was I heard um, the very first. Um, Steve Ravon Austin City Limits. Who was it? Steve Ravon. Oh, nice. And I was like, okay, I, I want to do that. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but that's what I want to do. So, did that ever lead you to Hendrix? Because I happen, I always think when I hear Steve Ravon, I think, oh, he's the best Hendrix tribute I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, like I, you know, to me, I think that I think it was a little different. I think I think Hendrix created that genre of guitar player. And I think Stevie perfected it. Like, that's just kind of how, like I've always viewed it. Like, yeah. you know, and it's, it's interesting because like both guys hated their voices. Yeah. You know, Jimmy hated his voice. Stevie hated his voice. You know, I thought they were both really good singers. Well, that's know? why Stevie Ray Vaughan did an instrumental version of little wing probably. Yeah. Cause he didn't want to sing it. And so it's yeah. like, you know, it's, it, it, that's kind of what, and then from there on, I got into, you know, B.B. King, Freddie King. I was a huge blues kid. Like, I love the blues. And being from, being from Memphis and growing up on Beale Street, you know, that kind of exacerbated that. You know, I, I always wanted to be a blues player. So that's, so I started playing. I got, I started playing when I was 13. I got signed at 14. I'd only been playing 11 months when I got signed. So. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> but not many people can say that. Yeah. I mean, you didn't struggle that you didn't struggle that much. No, you know, I, I didn't have to. You know, I, now once I got signed, I, I was playing in, in shitty clubs and you know doing that stuff. And you know, I did I did slubbed it for about a year on Beale Street, where you know I was carrying all my gear and playing in an alley on Beale Street and playing <laughs> this club in the afternoon and this club at night. You know, so I did have that. You know, a little bit of that. You know, but no, it wasn't it wasn't like as straight to the tour bus as people think about that me. Like it wasn't. It was never that, you know. We started out in the vans, Jeep Grand Cherokees touring, you know. So it um it definitely paved the way. And then my first big tour was with BB King, which was nice. 
well, geez, you're so lucky. It was amazing. I mean, he is he is a genius. The questions I asked you, I mean, when they're from fans, you'll know about it. But I, when I ask you, I'm just like naive because I don't know the whole yeah. story. I know you as Zach who asked for massage last minute. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I lived in Memphis when I was 10 for a little while because my dad was um, in the Navy fixing Oh, you lived in Memphis, yeah. I lived in Memphis when I was 10. And we used to drive by Elvis's place. And I just remember this. My parents would go, that's where Elvis lives. So did you ever... How did Elvis, did he influence you at all? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, he influenced me as like, um, I guess I'm more like a, like, I always thought of Elvis as like a, a rock, you know? So, like, I think Elvis to me was the first real rock star, you know? Absolutely. That, so I loved the, I loved the glitziness of it and the, and the glamour of it and like how he made it cool. Now, I never wanted to wear a fucking onesie or anything, you know what I mean? And like do karate kids. <laughs> but, you, you know, never like, wanted to wear a what? A onesie? A onesie, yeah. What do you mean? That's what he almost jumpsuits he was wearing. It was like a onesie. Oh, those. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, <laughs> I mean, he, I, you know, he, he was just larger than my character in Memphis. And it's like, you know, growing up at that time, and I grew up in the 80s in Memphis, you know, right after he died, everybody had an Elvis story, right? So it was like, mm. you know, everyone knew it. So, it was really cool, but you know, I didn't go to Graceland for the first time, I think, until, like, 1998. And then from then on, I was, like, even even more into Elvis. And then actually, you know, led to, in 2003, I was actually the first person um, to go into Graceland, and I got to change all the strings on Elvis's guitars because... What? Yeah, I had a, fr- a friend of mine who was the main curator at EPI, which is Elvis Presley Enterprises, Sorry, EPE. And, um, you know, it was EPI. It was Presley International. And um, and so he was like, hey, do you know a tech? You have, like, a guitar tech who would come in and do this. And I was like, I'll do it. Oh, tech. my God. So I got to – I was there for three days after hours. They, like, all the, took all the ropes down. And I got to, like, literally just sit in Graceland at night and change strings on Ellis's guitars, which was truly amazing. I actually have a picture – but me holding like the famous Elvis acoustic in the backyard of Graceland. Oh my God. I would want all of that on video. Are you, oh my God. That's so amazing. It was, it was really cool. It was really special. And it was something I was like really stoked about. Cause like I got to go upstairs, which no one gets to do. It was, it was cool. Okay. Out of, this must be completely out of the question, but I'm, I'm going there. Would shine down just for fun ever do an Elvis song? And if so, what, what would you do? Um, you know, we always we always jokingly sing the um, Aloha from Hawaii version of uh, Suspicious Minds because <laughs> he's you know he's he's fucked out of his mind during that mm-hmm. show. Yeah, he's super out of his mind, but he's so charming and funny. So like when he when they do Suspicious Minds and he gets down on one knee and instead of um. You know, instead of saying the actual lyric, he says, I hope this suit don't wear a baby. Like, oh. like, we sing that all the time. Like, so it I would like, be funny to like weave it into the show. I like to say, but Brent and I actually did, um, Brent and I did um, on the last Smith and Myers record that just came out in October, we did, um, which granted, it's a, it's a, it's not a, it's an Everly Brothers song, but we did um, Unchained Melody. Oh, hot. But way more that. of an 
Elvis version. Absolutely. I, I don't even, when I think of that song, I think of Elvis, but, you know. Yeah. That's interesting because, you know, being, is the whole, I, mean, I don't know, this, the Sign Down fans are going to hate me, but is the whole band from Memphis? I don't know. No, Brent and I, Brent, my singer and I are from Tennessee. Um, he's from Knoxville. I'm from Memphis. Um, our drummer is from Jacksonville. And uh, our bass player is from where I am right now, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we all four oh. live in different states right now. What? We all four live in different states. Oh, okay. But, you know, once you can do a lot of stuff on Zoom now, right? To join well, together. Our in home base, like for rehearsals and stuff in that in the Nashville and then, you know, we do all the recording here in South Carolina. So we kind of have two home bases. I can't remember which band I was just talking to who said, I don't want to be it. Oh, it was Brian Beller, the bass player. He said, I, we're not a Dropbox band. And I was like, oh. <laughs> have, yeah. you ever heard, have you ever heard that term? Yeah, we're not either. Like, that's, that's like where bands just kind of will, like, write an idea, put it in Dropbox and let everybody hear it. Like, we kind of all have to be in the same room, too, to write. Like, it's not, we, you know, we've tried Zoom writing and stuff. It's just really, it's not really for us. And you said something, you were in L.A. also writing, but I'm confused. Please alert me because how why does it matter where you're at when you're writing you're in LA writing and now you're in South Carolina writing how what difference does it make um the the vibe change is definitely different um because we write in Malibu in a house on top of a mountain um that a guy who we've written with a lot he's just kind of a a co-writer that's kind of what he does but Mm -hmm. um, if we ever want to like get you know write outside most of the time we just write with just the band but if we ever want to write with like another writer, which I really enjoy doing because you learn a lot, is um, we wrote with this guy Dave Bassett, you know, for the last five records he's written on, and it's just that he's just a friend of ours. He has a beautiful house on top of on top of a mountain in Malibu. You can see the ocean. I mean, it's I mean, literally, it's, it's, it's this place is paradise. So, you know, you, when you're looking out at that, you feel very inspired, and so it was just a change of view for a minute. We were out there for three weeks, and we got 11 songs written in three weeks, which was nice. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Does he get credit on your albums for oh, songs? For sure. Yeah. Like, like uh, you know, I watched the Elton John Rocketman video at DVD. I did not realize that someone else wrote all of his songs. Well, Elton, like, it's, a, it's a tag team. So Elton writes all the music, and Bernie Taupin writes all the lyrics. Amazing. The Elton John's, like, never written a lyric. I, it's so hard to believe. It's amazing. Crazy. Now, it's also in how you, you know, how you sell it. You know, like that guy. You know, if you listen to an Elton John song, you certainly believe that he wrote those lyrics because he, oh, absolutely. He has so much conviction when he sings them. You know. Yeah. So you have, like, in the Grateful Dead had um, Robert Hunter. Yeah. Writing their songs. No, we're we're a part of all of ours. You know, we we most of the songs are all written by our band, and then like we all have a co-writer who will kind of write with us sometimes, and that's Dave, and that's where we were. That's why we were in LA for three weeks. But you know, we're all you know, we've never had like we've never been a band where somebody's like brought us like a really great song, and we've been like, okay, we'll do this song even though we didn't write it at all. That's just never been our. You know, we would rather it, it's if it's not coming from us, then it doesn't. I think our fan base is kind of hangs on to the honesty that we have in our songs and, and the kind of underdog feel, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that if we were singing someone else's words, it wouldn't, I don't think the message would convey. Like somebody like, I, I don't know, the new music of today, like Party B, whatever. I mean, who knows 
if any of those people write their, their own music, it's just crap to me. Most, so of, most of them are in there when it's being written, and they'll probably come up with some lyrics and stuff. But, like, my problem with some of that stuff, I like all music. Cardi B's on a record label. So, like, you know, I, I understand that there's, a, there's, there's like, a, a niche for that in the world and that people like it. But mm-hmm. some of that stuff has, like, 13 songwriters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that's, like, insanity. Yeah. You know, like, to have, I don't understand how you write a song. I have trouble writing a song with, you know, the three other people in my band being <laughs> in the same room. So, like, having, like, you know, there's some songs that have 15 writers on them. I'm like, oh, did, like, every every one of you write a word? That, that screams incompetence to me. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's the new way of, of what pop music is, you know. And even mm-hmm. back. Even back in like you know, to me, what the peak peak of pop music was maybe early 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 to late nineties. You know, you've got the Britney Spears and the and the Insyncs and the Backstreet Boys and stuff, and those guys had songwriters too, mostly. Yes, yeah, of course. You know, with the Madonna, Insync. Madonna. Yeah. I mean, how how many Madonna songs did she write? I don't think many. No, probably not. Probably not a ton. I, I would I would I would venture to guess. I mean, I don't know. Some of the early stuff she may have like had just had a co-writer. I don't really know. Mm. It's hard to do it all, isn't it? Look good, dance, sing, and write all the fucking songs, you know? I mean, I think Michael Jackson did a yeah, lot of that. Michael Jackson and Justin Timberlake were pretty much the only <laughs> Yeah, he's amazing. So, um, I'm, I always ask every artist I interview and talk to, you have to choose two songs, one for the intro of your podcast and one for the outro. What songs are are those going to be for this? I'm going to go with um, Let's Go Crazy by Prince. Oh, nice. As the intro. Okay. And I'm going to go with Tiny Dancer for the outro. Elton John. Oh, you're not going to choose Shine Down songs. Okay, Tiny Dancer. No, I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted the fans to hear it. Zach, no, is, Zach is choosing Let's Go Crazy for the intro and Tiny Dance for the outro. Yeah. I hear Shine Down all the time. <laughs> Good choices, by the way. I love both of those artists. People give Prince a lot of shit in my Frank Zappa group on Facebook. Oh, the way he looked. And I'm like, are you? Prince was one of the best guitar players that ever <laughs> lived. Genius. Genius is genius. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about it. Oh, you're breaking yeah. up a bit. Yeah, he's he's a yeah. genius. Yeah, he's a genius, and he was he was, you know, one of the greatest artists of all time, and one of the most prolific artists. You know, that guy's got that guy's got 50 albums in the vault right now. Yeah, you know? amazing, amazing. He was like the black Frank Zappa, in my opinion. One hundred percent, and he, you know, and I think that maybe if you asked him if he was still alive, I'm sure that. James Brown and Frank Zappa had a lot to do with his band work ethic, you know. Absolutely. Like, you know, I think that that kind of, you know, you know, people would look at Frank and people would look at James kind of like a dictator in the sense of how they ran their band, and the same with Prince. Mm-hmm. That guy, you know, if you miss two notes in a row, you're fired on stage. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's Hi. another there's another dude in the corner, like, almost like a pinch hitter. <laughs> oh, this guy's in now, you know, and that's how Frank, you know, it's so weird. Like, I was, I, I know you're a huge Frank person. Like, I wasn't into Frank until I hit my 30s. 
you know, and then I started really listening to interviews and going, wow, this guy was like maybe one of the smartest people to ever kind of do what we do, you know, and then seeing his work ethic and like all the classical music that he did, it's like, wow, this, you know, this guy was really one of the finest minds maybe ever in music. And those lyrics. (laughs) Yeah. You know, my guitar wants to kill your mama is still one of my favorite songs, but like I, I love it. But yeah, I think, I, think, I think Prince had a lot of that. I think Prince had a lot of that Frank kind of James Brown thing where it's like, listen, this is how I'm going to run my band, and if you don't like it, that's your business. Yeah, um, and you know something? I don't believe, I really don't believe that Prince would do drugs at all. So I'm I'm really shocked at this story about how he passed. I don't, I just, I'm not believing that. I did know people who worked for him, and he 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 was in a ton of pain. Because of his hip. Because of his hip, yeah. And he was supposed to have a second surgery, and I think it was coming up. And I think it was just, I don't know, I, 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 it certainly didn't mean to happen. You know? Too stubborn, too stubborn to go. To go to do it. And it was one of those ones, to me, um, that it felt out of order. You know, yeah. it was the same thing with the code interview. Like, you know, when you hear of someone passing, you say, you know, oh, that's terrible. But in your mind, you're like, oh, it doesn't, it didn't shake the snow globe like you thought it would, you know. And then when Prince died, I was like, oh, this this wasn't supposed to happen yet. No, no way. And the same with Kobe Bryant for me, you know. I'm such a huge sports fan. He was a sweetheart, too. I know. And when he died, I was just like, oh, man, this feels like, like the timeline, like the matrix got shifted, you know. Yeah. It didn't feel right. No. And I just. Because when someone who's such a control freak like Prince or Frank Zappa, and they they succumb to well, Frank died from prostate cancer because he smoked three packs of cigarettes a day and drank coffee twenty four seven. But um, Prince, you know, I just I I can't imagine him giving in to painkillers or Michael Jackson giving in to whatever that stuff was that gas that was making him sleep it's just like these guys are geniuses how would that how can you let that happen i'm so glad to hear that you're sober and you're just like no thank you i'll have a massage or i'll go float yeah yeah i i think uh the the, it's my drug uses i'll take melatonin sometimes when i go to europe just so i can get used to the time change (laughs) yeah i take melatonin too but it's only like five milligrams or something but that's not really a drug because it's a natural hormone yeah Right. So what else was I going to ask you? Um, oh, yeah. If I got the chance, like let's say you came to Jersey and you freakishly had a night of free time and you got your free two-hour massage that I'm going to owe you for sure, and I, but I could drag you to karaoke. I could, I could get you to do karaoke. We're in a karaoke bar, me and you, okay? Yeah. What are you, what are you going to sing? Addicted to Love by Robert Palmer. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. It's the only song I've ever sang karaoke wise. Like, I mean, I've only done karaoke one time, and it was with um, it was with Kevin Martin, the singer of Candlebox, um, and we were in L.A. at the Belmont, and I was like, I would never. I'm like, I'm like a very easily embarrassable person, like in situations like that, just in particular situations. So um, I was like, I'll never do it. I'll never do it. And he kind of drew me to do it. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna do addicted to love by Robert Palmer, and that's what I did. And it was, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was I good. Did you love? <laughs> I'd be very nervous, yeah. That is really funny. 
Um, might as well face it. love. I was crushed when he died. Yeah, I was too. He's another great underrated artist. Yeah, absolutely. In those videos, everyone was like, "Look at the." No, that you know, to me, those are the videos that made MTV what it was. You know, when when you had somebody completely think out of the box like that. You know. Yeah. I mean, when, when some, I was in Germany when that happened, and the, the German friend of mine got it wrong and said Robert Plant just died, and I was crying because I know Robert. And I'm like, oh, my God, because there was no internet or whatever. And, and then I found out it was Robert Palmer. I'm like, well, that's still bad. You know? <laughs> it, was, uh, yeah. it was tragic. So I have some fan questions, and I did join a Shinedown Facebook group get some good ones, okay? Because oh. my, my Facebook friends are all over the place. They're usually Zappa fans, right? Yeah, I saw uh, – I, I, <laughs> I'm i banned from Facebook for 30 days, but um, <laughs> I – Join the club. I saw um I saw the one guy that made the smart-ass comment, which is like, made me laugh, but I, I couldn't comment back, and I'm such a troll. So wait, made, wait, was it on my page or in the group? Yeah, on your page. Oh, what a little asshole. What did they say? Let me go – I'm usually in Facebook jail because I'm a conservative yeah. and people... I got seven. Uh, well, you know, you and I are different I'm, I'm a... Oh, you're breaking up a bit. Say it again. Oh, here you go. You ready? As a yeah. back. Yeah. You and I are a lot alike. You know, I'm a conservative Christian in a lot of ways, but I also like I'm, you know, on Facebook I find that like it's like a, a breeding ground for just incredibly racist people. Yeah. I was just talking a bunch of shit to a bunch of racists on my page, and Facebook is actually is not as woke as you think they would be. Yeah. They, uh, they they have to keep the racists on there. Oh yeah, they yeah, like so that. Was, yeah, they they love it. So I was um I was I was talking a bunch of shit to a very racist white man, and um he was not a fan of it, and uh, I guess he reported my comment. And <laughs> so I got at first it was seven, and then now it's thirty days. Well, freaking assholes. And you can't, if you try to appeal it, they say, we're sorry, but because of the pandemic, we don't have enough people to view your bullshit. And, you know, I I can't even count how many Facebook profiles I've had to make because they just keep, it, it is for stupid stuff, stuff that I yeah. posted in 2011, a, a funny picture. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, this picture goes against, oh, uh, so it took you 12 years or whatever to find this fucking picture. Okay, yeah. I can't. I I really miss the days of MySpace when there was zero censorship. It was all about music and humor, and and fuck Facebook. I can't wait till someone takes them down because they are way too high and mighty. I hate them. Yeah. But anyway, nevertheless, we still have some fans on Facebook. Right, let's do it. Just, Justin Murray. Okay. From Keegan, Illinois. All right. What's the hardest part of being in a band? And the one thing. That one thing. Wait. That one thing that, you know, I don't know what the fuck that means, but what's the hardest part of being a band? That one thing that, you know. Uh, I think I know what he's saying. Like, um, for me, at at, uh, at this point in my life, um, touring. Mm. Touring is the hardest part for me now just because, you know, I, I have kids. You know, I enjoy being home with my family, you know, and, you know, it's, it, it you know, um, we're not, a couple of things, you know, we are, we're not 21 anymore, you know, and, and also like our show, I mean, you've been to one of our shows, like yeah, our show is very physical, you know, yeah. with, 
we're, we're not just standing around staring at our shoes, you know. <laughs> we're, we're we're putting on a show. So, you know, just the wear and tear that it, it puts on your body, you know, even getting massages every day, you know, like it, it's still, man, it, it wears you out, you know. So, yes. um, yeah, missing my family and, and, and just the wear and tear on my body, I would say. So, in other words, you're not the Pixies or Van Morrison where you stand still and don't move the whole fucking time. And listen, yeah. there's, there's bands who can do it and still be cool. That's true. Like, <laughs> me, me, one of the coolest bands of all time. Wait, wait, be- you're breaking up. Who? You're the biggest who, What? All right, so one of the coolest bands of all time to me that will ever be is Oasis. Oh, and, yeah. and those guys just stand there. Okay. They just they don't move. They just stand in one spot. And to me, they were, they're truly the last rock and roll band, like the last rock stars. You know? mm, and they're so fucking hot, and I had to massage them and totally behave. But, oh, <laughs> they, were, they, were the, they were the end of the rock star era, and I love mm. that. They, they do stand there, and they do it with – they're fucking awesome. Well, Good the, ob- the, coolest band, the coolest band to come out in the last 20 years. Good observation. So Robin, Robin Rayner – or Rainer, Reiner. I'm in Gulfport, Mississippi. I really want to know who his inspirational favorite guitarist was when he knew he wanted to be a guitarist. Like, who is, who who inspired you to be a guitarist when you knew you wanted to be one? Um, I think the top three are um, Steve Ray Vaughan, um, The Edge, nice. and um, Jimmy Page. Hot. Yeah, those are the those are the those are the three that like kind of move the needle. For mm. me, you know, where I was just like, oh wow, these guys. You know, I would hear other guitar players, but I would listen to those guys. Like when when I'd hear a sound like that, I remember hearing hearing Good Times, Bad Times for the first time. And I was like, I need to know who that guitar player is. Yeah, you know? and it's such a, a wide variety that you chose. You know, that's, that's good. I like yeah. that. I think because they all three did different things. You know, Steve Ray Vaughn to me was like, I wanted to solo like Steve Ray Vaughn. You know, I wanted to make sounds like The Edge. You know, I think he makes a guitar sound like whatever the fuck he wants. It's kind of like Tom Morello. You know, like he makes a guitar sound like whatever he wants it to sound like. And and with Jimmy Page, it was like, I want to play riffs like that. And, and you know, Jimmy Page to me always sounded like a lion roaring. Mm-hmm. He's and he makes the women, just the whole audience that is female is just drenched. And and the edge has has a very unique sound. You know it's him. He one hundred percent. He invented he invented that sound. Yeah, that's totally him. I and no one's come close. And it's just him. I love yeah. that. Then we have Michael Aldrich. How did you learn to play guitar, lessons, or self-taught? Mike, uh, and he says, I'm in Everett, Washington. Oh, weird. That my, my tech's real name is Michael Aldridge, so that, that threw me out. We call him Sparky. Um, it could be him. <laughs> yeah, he's not in Washington. Um, you know, it it was, I started out, I, I kind of taught myself around the guitar, like to work around the guitar. And then when I really wanted to commit to it, I took lessons for about a year from my guy. How old were you when you were taking those lessons? I was thirteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I um I committed to it and I took guitar lessons from a guy named Rick Forbes in Memphis, Tennessee, who still teaches lessons to this day. And still a really good friend of mine. And um oh. that's how I that's how I you know, but yeah, then 
then he kind of taught me to play by ear and, and hear tones. And, you know, to this day, I can't read music. You know, I don't, I, I can't read a note of music. Um, me either. And most musicians can't, you know. <laughs> Except Steve I, who was paid to transcribe music for Zappa. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, people <laughs> Zappa can read music, Steve I can read music, Prince can probably read music, you know. Yeah, but that doesn't make or break someone, which is cool. No, I love this. In most, you know, 90% of musicians who have, who have made a name for themselves who are in bands, some of the most successful, you know, I guarantee you Keith Richards does not know how to read music. <laughs> I'm or guessing anything, he, for that matter. he might not be able yeah. to read. Yeah. But he'll outlive both of us for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have Lauren Rolf, R-O-L-F-E, Rolf. Lauren from South Africa. What is your favorite song to play that is not Shine Down? Do you get to play it on Smith and Myers tours? Um, yeah, I play a lot of yeah. And so at the Smith and Myers shows, I do. There's a part where Brent will walk off stage, and I'll do three songs by myself. Um, on the last little drive-in tour we did on 2020, I would play a different Prince song every night. Oh, you're brave. Yeah, well, I would just do it my own way, you know. So one night it'd be Little Red Corvette, one night it would be Nothing Compares to You, one night it would be Raspberry Beret, you know. Uh, one night it would be Purple Rain, one night it would be, you know, Never Take the Place of Your Man, you know. So it was a lot of fun. So um, Prince, I love to play any kind of Prince song. Um, I'm a huge old country music fan, so a lot of times, like I'll at Soundcheck, I'll break into like George Jones song or you know, something like that. So uh, a lot of older country music and then print stuff. No Ring of Fire? <laughs> yeah, with Johnny Cash. <laughs> I met him once at an airport in 93. I was going from oh. Belfast back to Berlin. And it's not like he was trying to hide who he was. And there was no flip, there was no iPhones back then. He was dressed in all black, long black leather jacket, black pants and a black shirt. And he was with his wife and son. I'm like, why is no one else running over? That's fucking Johnny Cash right there. Yeah. So I, I walked over and said hi. Got his. I didn't have a camera. I got his autograph and stuff and talked to him for about a half hour. What a man. Yeah. What a man. He made a big impact in Tennessee, too, before he died. So he lived in Tennessee for a long time. A sweetheart. Tammy Ashley Cornell. I'm Tammy from Simpsonville, South Carolina. How do you choose songs for the set list? Do you rotate them or just go by how you feel? Um, it really depends. It, with Smith and Myers, you know, it's a lot of our fans know, you know, that I I you know I make the set list for Shine Down and uh, and uh, Smith and Myers. So with Smith and Myers, it really changes every night just out of necessity because. It's just me and Brent up there. We can do whatever we want, you know. We, we so no two shows are literally anything alike, which I I really enjoy. Um, and with Shine Down, I make the set list, and it really, you know, you you we've have we have the most Billboard number one rock songs of all time. So it's you Wait, know what it, you had the number one Billboard rock song of all time. We have the most number ones of all time. We we passed Van Halen. Um, oh my God. At, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, when you have that many songs that have been on the radio, you know, I can't play twenty-seven songs a night. You know, with, with, 
with my singer, you know. So it's like, you know, we, we like we do around nineteen twenty and you know, you just try to pick kind of what's what maybe what was big in that area or whatever, but with China and you can't change up the set list too much night to night because, you know, you have pyro guys, you have lighting guys and all these guys kinda of gotta know what they're doing and we kinda of gotta know where we are too so we don't get blown up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Yeah. So yeah, I I make the set list for both projects. Yeah. Um, by the way, Smith and Myers sounds like you could open your own line of guns. It sounds good. We actually say we sound like a law firm. Oh, <laughs> I think it sounds like a new gun. Smith yeah. and Myers. Oh, I got a I got a Smith and Myers in the closet. You better watch out. Yeah, it doesn't shoot as good as a Smith and Wesson. Actually, it probably shoots better. <laughs> then we got Jim Bono. Not a question, but thank you for the cameo birthday wish video. He you sent my son. Very cool and deeply appreciated. Oh, cool. And Jimmy Harris Jr., my adult son, will be going to see you guys for his first concert in August in Mont Pleasant, Michigan. I've seen the band live, and it blew me away. What would you like him to experience and take away from the show? Um, a little sense of freedom that we'll be back doing what we love to do and that people can come. And, you know, I, our goal is always the same. You know, we want people to walk out of the arena or amphitheater or whatever, theater, club, whatever we're playing. You know, we want them to, to feel like they can take over the world. You know, it's kind of, you know, we're we're, we're that uplifting band. You know, we don't, we're not going to scream and yell at you when when you're there. You know, we're, we're thankful we have a platform for lots of people to come see us. And, yeah, we just hope that people come out and enjoy. And I hope he, you know, I hope he feels some sense of normalcy that he hasn't gotten to feel in the last year. That's sweet. One last fan question. All right. Pat Davis, and it's impossible to know if Pat is a female or a male because, you know, that Saturday Night Live skit. It's Pat. It's Pat, yeah. Hi, Zach. I'm Pat from Wales in the U.K. Okay. When this pandemic is over, are you coming to the U.K. again and this time playing a gig where you are the headliners? Because we love Shine Down here. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the last two UK tours we did, we just got such good offers to be support bands and like all make these huge tours. You know, we got to tour with Maiden, and then you know, so it was like a lot of fun, and we're playing like stadiums and stuff. So, um, yeah, we'll obviously be coming back to the UK when everything's free and clear to come back. And yeah, I think the next tour, I think we've decided we're we're only going to do headline tours over there from now on, just because I think we've earned it. You know, it's um. We get to play a longer set and kind of bring more of our show. So, yes, yes, Pat, we will be back. I'm trying to find out now because I'm in the Shine Down group. I think I owe it to Pat to figure out if he's, if it's a male or a female. I mean, poor Pat. If the name is Pat. If it's <laughs> Pat Davies. And they're from the U.K., um, the, the, I'm guessing it's, it, it is a man's name. Yeah, there's just pictures of Pat's children in the um, in his headline picture. But, yeah. It's funny how everyone with the last everyone from Wales usually has the same last name Davies. It's yeah. a very popular name over there, but um, <clears throat> um, I'm guessing it's a male. You know, if you pick pictures of your kids up there, you, it's hard to tell. But Perfect. so every everyone gagging for you to tour, so that's that's the thing. Um, so hopefully that's going to happen this summer, right? August. Yeah, later later fall. Yeah, for sure. Later fall, so not August, September. Well, yeah, 
we're doing some shows in August and then September and then we're August and then we take up the back half of August off and then we start kind of mid September and go till October ninth. I hope so. Really need this to get going. Yeah. All righty. So um, next time I see you, flower massage on the house for All your right. time. I'm very grateful, and I'm sure you'll be texting me hopefully soon for massage somewhere, and I'm still going to try to get Katie. How long are you going to stay in South Carolina? I'm here till Tuesday. Okay. That's the name of the band, by the way, Till Tuesday. Remember them? I do. All right, Zach, I appreciate your time. I'm going to post this right. in a week, and um, I'll send you the link. I I'm, love talking to you. It could go on and on. All right, thank you. All right, Zach, talk to you All soon. Right. Bye.